Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me lies, tell me, tell me lies. Hey, sweet baby, welcome to Love Life Skills for Leaders, where we heal the past, love ourselves unconditionally, and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day. I'm Candace Harper, relationship coach and hypnotherapist, and I help high-performing perfectionistic people overcome loneliness and create meaningful, intimate connections. This is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best love life possible, whether single or coupled. Stick with me and learn why loneliness isn't contingent on whether you have a partner and how loneliness can be cured from the inside out. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are watching or listening. All right, let's do this. Hello, my darlings. Hello to you. It's another week. Another week has gone by and I'm coming at you with a new topic. Today we're going to talk about becoming a space for the truth. Becoming a space for the truth. Are you a space for the truth? Candace, what do you mean? What are you even talking about? So as you do when you're a relationship coach, I found myself on the Netflix in a... uh, in a rabbit hole, if you will, of watching Married at First Sight, which I've enjoyed for years. I got to admit, and it's not even a guilty pleasure because in as much as I, you know, I used to work in television, so I understand how manipulated things are. I understand that you can't believe everything you say see because things are edited together. I understand that people are often plied with alcohol and there's like, you know, a structure or premise. They're told to say things you know, that reality TV is not as unscripted as, you know, they they want us to believe that it is or that they originally, I mean, I don't even know if they're trying to hide behind that facade anymore. But when reality TV first sort of bursted out on the scene, it was this idea that we were getting fresh, raw reality that, um, you know, was was real, realness, television show realness. And so while I am aware that it takes a lot of suspension of disbelief to buy into the storylines and the happenings and the the relationships and the performances of a reality television show. I find value in watching shows like that because I do think that, that a lot of the interactions are representative, snippets, representative of how we deal with relationships and, you know, what does happen in real life. The breakdowns that begin to happen, the misunderstandings, the um, you know awkward interactions, the trying to find ways to communicate. Granted, on a show like that, there's also those extra added layers of cameras in their face, and you know people having different sort of agendas for why they're even you know on these shows or getting married at first sight. Like you know, I'm not a, a babe in the woods about all of it, but I do see value in watching relationships play out because when things do happen that are representative of real life representative of what I know my clients go through I know what I've been through and I know what you know just having conversations with a lot of people doing a lot of reading and research you know that it does represent how relationships can work in real life 
It's not an exact replica because there's, you know, time, the time is condensed and all of that stuff. But there's so much that does go on. So I was recently watching season one and there's a couple on season one. I believe their names are Mika and Michael. Edit correction, I was watching season 10. And one of the big problems in their relationship was that Michael tended to uh, stretch the truth. He had alternative facts. In fact, you know, he, he was caught in a couple of lies a couple of times. But he was one of those people who, you know, uh, I guess the backstory was that the lies came from sort of his upbringing, being adopted and, you know, needing to be somewhat of a people pleaser. We talked about people pleasing last week. But, you know, trying to form his life around what people would accept, what people would admire, what people would be interested in. And so while I don't condone uh, being in a partnership with someone and that lying is okay because lying, you know, can equal gaslighting, lying can cause a lot of damage in a relationship, I understand and empathize with where Michael was coming from. Now, Mika's side of things is that, you know, obviously I can't be with a liar. It's not going to work out for me. That's not going to be good. But what I noticed with her is that a lot of her sort of navigation of it all was from her own trauma. Like her distrust of him kind of seemed to start early on, you know, without knowing what was going on behind the scenes. It seemed to start early on and it seemed to be very uh, fear driven, you know, as if this, this lie that you've told me, or if, if something that you've said is in any way dishonest, or if you've misrepresented, I think the original accusation was that he had misrepresented how much he wanted to have sex on the honeymoon. And off camera, he had said that it was going to be important in order for him to continue to stay married. And on camera, he, um, represented that she was going to be able to set the pace And so that was sort of the first big lie that they pointed to. And, you know, for her, it was just very, uh, it affected her very deeply. And to me, I believe in if it's hysterical, it's historical. So to me, it looked like a lot of her past trauma was triggered by his dishonesty. So that said, I wanted us to talk about how to be a space for the truth, right? Because lying is not gender specific, and I know that's going to blow somebody's hair back because if you've ever been lied to by someone, especially if it's that they were a cheater or, you know, that they were a, a financial abuser or did something that majorly affected the sanctity of your life and your peace, it's really hard not to feel like that person was a liar and that's where it stops, Right. Because people are responsible for their own behaviors. We are responsible for our dishonesties, 100%. But as human beings, we will all tell a lie to survive. (laughs) There's not a single one of us out there who is not willing to tell a lie to survive. And what do I mean by, by that? A lie to survive. A lie to get out of whatever consequences we may be afraid of. Right. And whatever those consequences are that we are afraid of, whatever we're making those consequences mean. So you might ask me, Candace, did you do the dishes? And I might say, uh, yes, I did the dishes. And maybe I didn't do the dishes yet, but I'm going to hurry up and do the dishes because maybe I forgot to do the dishes. But I'm going to say yes to you that I did the dishes. 
Because I might be fearful that if I say, no, I didn't do the dishes, what I'm going to get from you is a response of, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't do the dishes. And so, no, that's not a big deal. But if I have a story that that makes me feel small or it makes me feel lazy or it makes me feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain and I don't want to hear that from you, I'm going to manipulate and say, yes, I did the dishes and then maybe hurry up and do the dishes. Right. So that's a little small, you know, what they call a white lie. It's not considered to be a big thing. But the reason I use that as an illustration is because it's a perfect example of how we find ourselves, all of us at different times in our lives, telling an untruth. And it's very easy to get into the position of feeling like if the untruth that you have told is a betrayal, a betrayal of our relationship or um, a hiding of something that you've done that is going to be paramount to how I see you or how we interact, that somehow your lie is bigger than my lie. And so you are in the wrong and you are therefore wrong. Something is wrong with you. And I get to sit in the space of judgment. That's how we normally operate. That's what we consider to be reasonable. You can lie about whether you did the dishes or not and get the dishes done. And, you know, I might find out that you lied about whether you did the dishes or not. And I may or may not make a big deal out of it. But if you lie about whether you cheated on me or not, then that ends, that can end a relationship, right? That could cause a, a chasm. That could cause a lot of negativity in a relationship. We, so we consider that to be the bigger lie. And what we forget is that a lie is a lie, And that's not to take away from the pain of what certain lies can cause. But what we forget is that none of us is without sin. None of us is is beyond reproach. None of us is a victim of a lie when we don't continually choose the victimhood after a lie. And all of us have our different reasons for why we do what we do. So... Candace, what are you even talking about? Why are you even saying all these things? What difference does it make? Because even though we can't control whether someone tells us the truth or not, what we can do is be a space for the truth. Now, be with me on this. What we can do is be a space for the truth. And how do we do that? Now, now being a space for the truth doesn't guarantee that you're never told a lie. But when you let yourself be a space for the truth, you get, to, you get to hear the truth. You get to be safety for the truth. And when you are safety for the truth, you get to make decisions and choices for yourself based on actually knowing what's going on without having to be in some sort of, you know, protective combat mode. And so hear me out on this, because I know in relationships, it's very emotional. It's very emotionally driven. And so it's hard to get to a neutral space when it comes to hard conversations or feeling betrayed. But it's so, so important, right? So you cannot ever guarantee that someone's going to tell you the truth. But what you can do is be a space for the truth. And that alleviates so many problems in communication. So how do we become a space for the truth? Well, first of all, understand why you would be unsafe for the truth. Why, why based on you know, everything that we've talked about so far, what would make you someone who is unsafe for the truth? If you're someone who can't control your anger, 
right? People are going to more likely lie to you, whether it's your lovers, your, your relatives, your children. If you're someone who has to fight out of a bag when you hear the truth, if you're someone who has to retaliate, if you're someone who's going to punish, if you're someone for whom there are consequences for if it's a truth you don't like, you can't control your anger, you can't control your reaction, you are not a space for the truth. And so someone who's not likely to tell the truth will definitely not tell you the truth. And even someone who's likely to tell the truth, if they know that there's going to be consequences, may not tell you the truth. If you're someone who loves to point the finger of blame, if you like to point the finger of, of blame at people, right? So someone's got to go down for whatever this thing is that happened. And so let's say I'm, in, I'm a teacher, I'm in front of a classroom. Who did this thing? Who did this thing? And, and you know, as the students, I know that the teacher's punishing whoever's gonna, whoever did this thing. What is the likelihood that the person who did this thing is going to raise their hand and say, I did this thing? Right? Because that finger of blame is going to land on them. And as humans, we avoid the finger of blame. We do not like to be blamed. We do not like forced responsibility. Some of us have grown and evolved enough that we don't mind taking responsibility. But very few of us like forced responsibility. It is your fault. No one ever wants to hear that. (laughs) No one ever wants to hear that. Right? So the likelihood that I'm going to go into survival mode and not tell the truth when that could be a possibility is much higher, right? If I'm someone who judges and criticizes, I am not a space for the truth. If I'm someone who has a perfectionistic way for how I and others need to behave and a set of rules and a turning up of my nose when someone is not behaving in a way that I think they should, if I, you know, nothing's ever good enough and I've got criticisms for everyone and I can't understand why anybody would do any of the things that they do, And I'm a harsh critic to myself because there's nobody out there who's harshly criticizing everyone who's not already a harsh critic with themselves. But if I'm that person, I am not a space for the truth because we are survivalists. We don't want to be blamed. We don't want to be criticized. We don't want the finger to be pointed at us. We don't want people to get angry at us. We avoid that stuff like it's the plague. Nobody wants that stuff. And so survival mode will kick in and we will do the easiest possible thing to escape whatever we need to escape. Now, not, not always. There's, I mean, there's the high integrity among us who know how to communicate and, and can be okay with it and still tell the truth and still be with all of that. But it's a, it's a harsh expectation to have on someone one else. While we all strive for that, to have that expectation that someone else be able to do that is an unfair expectation. And it leaves you not the space for the truth. It makes you not the space for the truth. If you're a holder of grudges, if you hold a grudge, once you have found out that someone has offended you or done something that feels wrong to you or hurtful, if you're someone who never lets it go, and the people who are in relationship with you know this, whether it's a romantic relationship, a familial relationship, a a parent-child relationship, they know if you're a grudge holder. (laughs) They know if you're an emotional serial killer. And so they don't consider you a space for the truth. Because if I tell you the truth, that something that I did wasn't something that's going to please you or that you're going to be disappointed in, I feel like you might hold a grudge against me. So my likelihood of telling you the truth is going to be even lower. Are you someone who likes to take the role of superiority and likes to be right? See, I told you 
if you'd only listened to me, if you'd only done what I told you to do, you weren't listening to me. You never listened to me. This wouldn't have happened. So if that's a, an attitude of yours, if that's a, a, a position that you take, just know that you are not a space for the truth. Now, I say all of these things knowing that we are sometimes these things based on our own trauma. In fact, I would say we were always these things based on our own trauma, based on our own survivals, our own survival mechanisms, I should say. And whatever, you know, we, however we're coping with things. So I'm not saying these things to say that you're a bad person or that you're wrong. But if you want to be a space for other people's truth, these are the things to look at if any of these things are true about you. If you are holding people to your standards and holding people, holding their feet to the fire and expecting them to meet your standards, you are not a space for their truth. You are not a space for them to tell you the truth. If you, are, if you have a lover, a friend, a relative, a child that you need to be truthful to you, you want to become a space for the truth. And none of those things are a space for the truth. Those things are a space for survival. And so your likelihood, and I, I know I keep repeating myself, but sometimes I feel like I, gotta, I have to drive things home because people will turn it into something else. Right. Because I'm not saying it's OK to lie. I'm not saying that anyone is justified in their lie. I'm saying that humans are survivalists and that's what we know to do. And if we haven't reached a certain evolution in our communication skills where we know how to deliver the truth and stand in it, which a majority of us have not. Especially when you consider children and younger adults and people who aren't doing the work or doing work with themselves and self-awareness and don't have that kind of fortitude, that kind of confidence yet in their communication, and that's a majority of the population, will default to a lie to survive whatever it is that they don't want to deal with. Now, I know you're like, survive it? That just sounds so dramatic. I mean, if I get mad at someone, it's not like I'm going to kill them. Why do they need to survive it? Because when people, you know, point fingers of blame at us, criticize us, get angry at us, um, you know, when people enforce their consequences on us, it triggers our old stuff. Right. That's why nobody wants it, because whatever we you know, whatever traumas we've been through, whatever stuff we're trying to heal, whatever we're trying to get through as far as, you know, getting into our uh, well space in this life that we're living in that already has its multi-layers of, you know, instability and war and, you know, uh, just negative energy, racism, sexism, you know, already we live in a world where there's so much that is challenging, right? So then our survival instincts kick in. And on top of all of that, we just don't want to be, our old stuff to be triggered <laughs> because we're dealing with enough in the world. And that's true of all of us. You know, we just don't want what is unhealed uh, to be tampered with. We don't need salt in our wound. We don't need, um, you know, things that are going to uh, have us recollect, you know, bad situations or times when we were hurt or any of that. No one wants that. Now, sometimes it's the best thing that can happen to us because if we uh, 
allow ourselves the process and the feelings, we get to come through it on the other end. But if you're not a therapist, if you're not someone who can be a space for someone's healing, then, you know, none of us has any business out there trying to trigger somebody's pain. (laughs) Even if someone has done something that you feel is painful to you, right? And when someone has done something or you feel that someone has done something that is painful to you, your retaliation and your um, uh, wrongmaking around it, while justified, while understandable, is just not a space for any kind of truth. Now, why am I talking about all of this? Because it's so important in our romantic relationships that we be able to consciously move in and out and through you know, the dynamics of the relationship, whether we stay together or break up or, you know, whatever, we want to try to do it in the healthiest way possible. And the healthiest way possible as far as, you know, being able to communicate with each other is to be a space for good communication, a space for the truth, a space for honesty. And it's a challenging thing to do because our hearts are so involved and absorbed into the relationship. And so when we feel hurt it is natural for us to, as our, the survivalist kicks in, it's natural for us to fight, flight, whatever, have a response that is, is from our animal brain. It's natural. It's reasonable. There's no wrong making to be had there. But when those kinds of things happen in a relationship is when it's most important to be able to get to a space where we can communicate, talk this thing out, um understand where each other is coming from if we want to avoid things like restraining orders ugly divorces um ugly custody agreements or you know custody battles things like that if we want to avoid that sort of thing if we want to be able to consciously couple or uncouple if we want to be able to move through our relationships with the least amount of trauma possible and be able to see the the breakdowns and the breakthroughs as opportunities, equal opportunities to grow, it is in our best interest to develop the maturity to become a space for the truth. Now you say, Candace, how does one even do that? How does one even even, you know, what are we supposed to pretend like we don't feel what we feel, that we're not angry that a person lied to us, that what they did was okay? Are we supposed to act like it doesn't bother us, pretend to be nice, that's inauthentic? Is that what we're supposed to do? No, absolutely not. As I always say, we think it's black and white. Either we got to fight out of a bag or pretend to be nice. No, there's a whole lot on the spectrum of communication that actually could make us have fruitful uh, fruitful interaction and find out the truth from somebody and actually understand the truth. And it doesn't involve any kind of manipulation. It only involves how you sit in your relationship with yourself and how you handle what is so, what is the truth, how you show up for yourself, trusting yourself, listening to your gut and your instincts, knowing that no matter what happens, you will be okay getting to that healthy space where another person's truth does not have to break you down. Now, that's not to say that another person's truth can't be hurtful to you, but it doesn't have to break you to a point where you can't hear it because it's in the hearing it and the understanding of it, not not the agreeing with it, but just the understanding and the acceptance of it that your healing will come, no matter what the truth is, even if it's the ugliest of truths. When we are willing to hear them, 
then we can begin to heal them if they need to be healed. You got to hear it first. So how do I even begin to get to a point where I'm a space for the truth? And as a woman, as a man, I don't care what your gender is, how you identify yourself. We all will find ourselves in positions where being a space for the truth is the most important thing. Right. Think about, you know, just when you've just met someone on a first date, you want to be someone who is a space for their truth. You want to be someone where they feel safe enough that they can tell you exactly who they are. And that may or may not work for you in a relationship. You may decide that the truth that you hear is not workable. But if you want to know what the truth really is, you have to be a space for it. And it doesn't mean just asking questions. It means giving off an energy that you will be accepted. No matter what your truth may be, I will accept it. I may not agree with it. I may not love it. I may not want to be with you after I hear it, but I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to criticize and put you down unless you've done something illegal. I'm not going to call the police on you. I'm not going to make this ugly. If you tell me something about yourself that I do not like, I'm going to be a space for the truth. All right. So what do you do? So who is a space for the truth? People who are safe, who feel safe. Think about any time you felt safe to share yourself with someone. And I would imagine that it was somebody who was non-judgmental because whatever your truth might have been, maybe it was a personal truth, something about yourself. You know, if you've had clinical therapy, if you've ever worked with a professional, you might have, you know, I had a therapist. I felt very safe talking to this person, even though I I'm, I'm, wasn't back then someone who felt safe telling men my personal information. You know, if I wasn't in a relationship with you, spilling all my personal guts and saying what was going on. And I remember being in an abusive relationship and meeting a therapist who was a man and was able to provide a safe space for me to tell the truth, not to put on a facade that everything was okay, which is a lie. If you're out there pretending like things are okay when they're not, that's one of the lies we tell, right? He, what he provided was that he wasn't going to judge me. And there wasn't going to be consequences. He was going to just hear me out and be a space for it. It wasn't about, you know, telling me where I was wrong or trying to trying to uh, hold my feet to the fire or any of that. Just it was it was a safe space for me to tell the truth. And so that's the first that energy of safety. I'm not here to punish you. I'm here to I'm here to hear it so I can observe myself. So I'm a safe space for the truth when I can observe that I'm human and have lied. If I can admit that. And not just sit in judgment, like what is wrong with you that you would tell this lie or that you would do this thing, whatever the truth might be. If I can say I am human and there are things that I've done that I am not proud of and we all have them, even the most pious of holy people. And I can I, I just I can guarantee that for you, the most upstanding people, the people that we look up to in the world, you know, the Michelle Obama's. The people who are like, you know, it just seems like they've just done it right. And if you read Becoming, obviously she admits that there's a lot of things that she did not do right. But, you know, there's a there's a trajectory to life that she was on. But even in writing a book, there are probably things within her heart, within all of us, that we're not apt to spill that we're not apt to talk about, that we don't feel good about. And when we can own that and observe ourselves around it, we can be a space for someone else to be that. Like, I have things that I'm embarrassed about too. I have things that I'm not proud of as well. I have things that, that if someone else looked at it and judged it, I would feel pretty small. If I can just admit that, 
I can be a space for someone else to feel that way. And I can observe who I'm being when someone is sharing who they are. People who can take responsibility for who they're being in a relationship are a safe space for the truth. I can take responsibility for if I'm bitchy to you. So back to the couple on Married at First Sight, Mika and Michael. One thing, Mika in her young, you know, she was, what, mid-20s, could not take responsibility for was that she just was, like, cold. (laughs) And she had just this way of being with this new person who she had married at first sight. Right. And it just was very like, like, you know, as soon as there was a a slight hint of of mistrust, it became just a cold demeanor. Like I am just no warmth, no acceptance whatsoever. I'm ready to judge you. I'm ready to judge everything that's that's wrong. I'm ready to point out all the wrong things. Granted, I only saw what I saw on camera. So again, this is just an example. You know, it's a little snippet. So who knows what she was like off camera, but on camera, she presented as a very cold person, somebody who didn't have a lot of empathy, had a lot of judgment. So if I can take responsibility for who I'm being in this relationship, am I somebody who snaps at you every time you say something? Because if I am, I got to look at that because that makes me not a space for the truth. So that willingness to take responsibility for who I'm being, how I communicate and how I show up in the relationship. And being able to relate on a human level. So that goes back to the not judging and being able to observe myself. But understanding that, you know, we're all human. We're all human. None of us perfect. Right. And someone who has healthy boundaries. So if my boundaries are healthy in the sense that I know what I'm down for and I align with what I am down for and I don't align with what I'm not down for. But I don't need to force you to do anything. So my boundaries are healthy when I can say, there's things that you're doing that I'm not here for. You won't get my attention. You won't get my time. I'm just not, I'm not here for it. Do it if you want to do it. That's your business, right? That's a healthy boundary. Like I will, will align with what I want to align with with what is my core values, what works for me. I don't need to force you to do anything. I don't need to make you do anything. But just know that I'm not going to engage with, you know, this, that, and the other thing. That's a healthy boundary to set. That's not me telling you how you have to be. You get to make the choice behind that. You can be what you need to be. You can prioritize however you want to prioritize. You have the power to do what you need to do to make your own choice. And if I can set boundaries in that healthy way, right? I'm a safe space for your truth because you're not, I'm not trying to force you to do anything. So when we feel forced, we tend to be more manipulative and we tend to not want to tell the truth about things. But when there's no forcing, there's, a, there's room for me to tell the truth. So what are some things to actually do, like action steps to take? Own that you lie. Own it in your own mind. Own it with whoever you're talking to. Own that you found yourself in survival mode, not telling the truth before. Be with that. Be okay with it. Stop shaming it. Just it is what it is. Diffuse your anger. If anger is your go-to when things that you don't like come up, you got to figure out a way to heal that. And that's, you know, I say that as if it's a simple thing, but that's, that's all about healing the past. But diffuse that anger, that tendency to snap. Detach from the outcome. 
So if I'm not attached to you needing to be something that I want you to be, having to have you be this thing or having to have it be a certain way, and you can be in a relationship for a very long time. And it's hard not to be, you're attached to that person. But if you're attached to every outcome of every action that person makes, then you'll get into a space of needing to manipulate and control. And you can't be a space for the truth while you're manipulating and controlling. But if I'm not attached to how this is going to you know, turn out, because I know I can't control it, that either we're going to work together around something. I had a, a client that I spoke to a couple weeks ago where, you know, uh, her husband of 20 years sh- showed up with a secret baby. I mean, you can't get a whole lot more dastardly than that. Right. And as upset as she was, you know, she had her initial reaction. She felt how she felt. He showed up with a whole kid. As time unfolded itself, she realized that she had to make a choice between throwing away the relationship or being with the relationship and having a whole new kid in her life. And whether that meant possibly raising that kid or just being part of the village that raises that kid, that also meant the mother of that child in her life. And so without the ability to be in uh, reasonable acceptance around all of those things, She robs herself of the ability to make a clear choice. She's a space for him to be truthful. And so however it all came out, and then he's willing to be truthful because he knows that there is safety in the truth. Doesn't mean the end of his life. Doesn't mean he's he's killing the relationship. Uh, You know, she's not attached to the outcome. Just I got to know what the truth is, what the whole story is, so that we can work together to figure out what we're going to do next. And I know this sounds like, well, what he did wrong. He needs to know he was wrong. Da, 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 da. She needs to, you know, put her foot down and all that. That's not, a, that's not how emotionally intelligent, evolved adults operate in a relationship, even when they've done the wrong thing. I know that sounds crazy. He came up with a whole kid and it's still the onus is on both of them to be emotionally evolved adults for the best possible outcome to work together for the best possible outcome not to decide that this was the way it was supposed to go and because you fucked it up now i gotta punish you doesn't work it just doesn't work my friends release judgment of self and others so action step release judgment of self and others stop being so hard on yourself so you don't have to be so hard on other people whatever you're shaming about yourself that story of i I would never do that that you're casting onto others, so they should never do that, heal that. Heal that. Where did those beliefs even come from? That, that, you know, this is wrong, this is right, and I'm the decider of what those things are, and I would never do such a thing, whatever that might be. Heal that stuff. Because human beings do what they do. We all do what we do with what we know at the time, thinking it's going to be the best possible thing for ourselves. And even when in the back of our mind, we know that it might be something harmful, irresponsible, there's an even bigger belief subconsciously that says there's going to be a payoff. Even drug addicts. I know that if I use heroin, my life is going to go in the toilet ultimately. But in this moment, I need the payoff of escaping whatever the pain is that I haven't healed yet. So those decisions that we make, those choices that we make that are messed up, 
We're doing them because we're in survival mode and we need to be able to look at ourselves and forgive ourselves and release the judgment and the shame. I did what I knew to do at the time and it wasn't the best possible choice I could have made. In in a lot of cases, it could have been the worst possible choice I could have made. But until I can release that judgment from myself, I can't release that judgment from others and I can't be a space for the truth. I cannot allow humanity And then the last one is to begin to trust your instincts and your boundaries, those healthy boundaries. Trust instinctually what your gut is saying to you. Just trust it. Trust it. You don't necessarily have to act out or act on it in the immediate, but heed it. Your gut will tell you if something is is safe or not. Your gut will tell you if, um, you know, what someone is telling you is the truth, actually. (laughs) But in order to be a safe space, if what you're listening to is your trauma, if what you're listening to is what you've dealt with in the past, you can't be a safe space for for what someone might present to you in the now because you're looking to be hurt again or to make them pay or make sure they have consequences or whatever it is, however you react to, to that kind of hurt. Right. But when you begin to just just go with your gut, your instincts in the sense that you you your inner knowing will let you know if what someone is sharing with you is something that you can work with. You can always accept it, but you can't always work with it. It can't always mean that the relationship can go further. Sometimes it means that the relationship will grow and that there's an opportunity to just be as as vulnerable and authentic and as human with each other as possible. But it's that ability to just like trust yourself, trust yourself to be okay no matter what as well. That's how you begin to become a space for the truth. Now, I know a lot of this sounds very archaic and it's like, you know, how am I going to start doing all this stuff, Candace? I'm just living my life. I'm just trying to do life. And you're telling me all these things I need to do. But that's why I do what I do. That's why I teach Love Life Skills for Leaders, because you will walk away with this kind of understanding of yourself, this ability to to communicate in an emotionally evolved and intelligent way, this ability to be a space for people to tell you the truth. I'm not saying I've never been lied to, but I can tell you that it rarely ever happens because there's no one in my life that needs to. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm sure there's little white lies here and there. You know, people don't want to want to hear something I'm going to say about something or whatever. But for the most part, people who are close to me know that they never need to lie. Because whatever the truth is, I, I can be with it. They never need to lie. <laughs> I can be with it. And if it's for the sake of trying to keep me, you know, like I've had in the past, I've been in relationships where there was a lie and, and it didn't work. You know, and I've, there have been times where I've been in relationships where I told a lie. It, do, it doesn't work. It doesn't ultimately work. You won't keep anybody that way if they are tuned into their their inner knowing, if they're tuned into themselves, and if they are a space for the truth. Right? So that's what we want to just be aware of, cognizant of. How do I become a space for the truth if I'm not already? If I'm someone who feels like I've been lied to a lot, if I'm someone who feels like I always meet dishonest people, My mentor, who I adore, always says, when you spot it, you got it. If you're spotting a lot of dishonesty in people, you got to ask yourself, where am I dishonest? Where am I, you know, acting through a facade? Where am I trying to look good 
when everything is falling apart. I may not be somebody who is low integrity and just lying to people and dastardly and, and you know, trying to uh, uh, behave in ways that are considered to be, you know, immoral or evil. But I'm still lying if I'm pretending one thing and what's really going on is another. It's still a lie, my sweetheart. So I say all of this to say, if you want to do this work, this work of, you know, having these kinds of high level communication skills, having this kind of uh, solid relationship with self, this kind of confidence in self that makes it so that you can be in intimate relationship with someone and be a cause for their full self-expression while being fully self-expressed yourself. Work with me. Love Life Skills for Leaders is the name of my program. You know how to get at me. If you're listening to this, you know you can email me, Candice at com. You can also go to uh, bit.ly forward slash Love Life Skills for Leaders. So many ways to get in touch. You know, and I, you know, I work with women who want trust, intimacy, deep level love and passion, who want to create maybe a sense of family, a sense of home, women who want to communicate effectively with any man without compromising their authenticity, intelligence or divine feminine power. Women who do not want to settle, but might be ready to settle down. And if that's you, let me know. I have a group starting the LLC and it's going to be a big group of women who that is their ultimate goal. And I want that to happen for you as well. All right, my sweethearts, that's enough. It's enough. This time just goes by so fast. I love you so much. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Candy Love Coach. I'm also Candace Harper Love Coach on YouTube, even though the YouTube is behind. Tune in next week for another episode. I think next week I'm going to talk about the distinction between how to discover the difference between love bombing and being loved, especially early on in a relationship. How do you know when you're being loved or being love bombed? Very different things. Until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable and give yourself grace. I love you so much. Thank you.